be. You think you know me? No, no way. You gotta be kidding me. The rated R superstar! Edge is here! Welcome to Talking Giants, boys and girls, presented by John Boy Media. I always forget to do that. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. On today's show, we're going to preview the edge position for the new 2020 NFL Draft. We're going to talk about Dave Gettleman's 2014 draft class, review that. But Justin, how are you doing? How's your weekend? How's everything going, my man? Bobby, I will fight I will you fight after, you the, after show. the show. I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it. Yeah. I, had to, I, had to, I had to step all over it. Mm. Mm. Good, good, uh, good soundbite I had last episode. I forget what the context was. I think you were interrupting me while I was trying to do uh, my own version of a scouting report, probably for a running back, and I threatened to fight you after the show. So now it's one of my favorite soundbites, but it's new. So I had to introduce it to the world. Uh, I'm doing well. Um, today was such a really nice day outside, and I barely got to go outside. I had class from 9, 10, 11... 125 and then didn't stop till 430 and now we're here and we previewed our edge guys and uh busy productive day but my sleep schedule has been bad so i'm really tired so now it's actually going to be a good thing i'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier yeah good luck going to bed earlier i'm i'm getting justin i'm getting worried about football starting to get scared yeah Um, with the coroni I'm almost worried that the draft might not happen. Like, they're, okay, so they're doing the whole virtual draft. And by the way, like, am I being like a Homer fan in this, Justin? That it's like the Gettleman computer jokes, like, they're just too easy at this point. You know what I'm saying? It feels like everyone, like, fires one off. And it's like, come on, like, do better. Like, those, like, the the, the computer folks was funny for two days. But it's like every time anything, like, oh, does Gettleman know how to work computer? <laughs> like, I just can't stand them. I, I feel like they're just so. They're not original. I hate the idea of not having a worm. I really do. I don't like that at all. I'm all for I'm full all for making this draft happen on time. But the idea of no war room kinda like not worries me about the Giants. It's just it, it would worry me as every team. It's like you're gonna we're gonna be all in separate rooms with a clock on. I just I don't know how that works. Well, unlike people that make jokes it actually is something that I'm genuinely worried about. No, no. I mean, they're 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 grown people, and they're, they they they'll figure out how to use computers. But no, you're right, though, Bobby Skinner. I, I think there's, and I think it's not even worth us maybe analyzing because we just don't know how it's going to be facilitated. Zoom makes the most sense, right? Where you have a, a call of all of all your of all your buddies who work for the New York Football Giants and all your executives, and you're all on the call together. And somebody is sharing their screen of the master Google document <laughs> that is the New York Giants draft board. <laughs> and then they could edit. <laughs> Honestly, I would just break the rules. I really would be like, no, we're all getting together at someone's house. That's going to be tough. I really think that's going to be like tougher than people think. And I'm not just talking about for the Giants and Dave Gellman. 
the only teams that won't be tough for are teams that have like just like a dictatorship GM where it's like that GM says what goes and he doesn't take input from other people. I think that's the only teams that it's not going to affect. And I mean, what what teams are those anymore? You know, where coaching has so much to do with personnel nowadays. I don't know, man. I I, I don't like the idea at all. Yeah, what mainly worries me uh, about, I mean, I guess, you know, we could speculate the idea and how it's going to be carried out. But like I said, we don't know how it's going to be facilitated. Like I said, Zoom would make the most sense. But hopefully, you know, there's some sort of sophisticated technology out there of telecommunication that we don't know and that NFL teams can use. But anyway, what worries me mostly is hearing how Schefter, like guys like Adam Schefter, who carry a lot of like their voices carry a lot of weight and how the NFL and how uh, you know NFL fans consume news of the league, when he's putting public pressure on the league to do something about the timing of the NFL draft, that says something to me, and that's the thing that concerns me. You know what? Kiss my ass, Schefter. You guys are running an entire TV station. That pisses me off. That's so hypocritical. They're running an entire TV station every day, running programs. They're going to literally be the ones covering the draft. And then they're going to be like, get on their high horse about how how's the NFL going to do this. Like you guys are doing this every day and you're going to be the ones like, don't cover it. Then if you're, if you're on your high horse about it, don't cover it. And then let's see who, let's see who really cares. So that's what bothers me. I can't stand that hypocrisy. So we just basically lost our interview with Adam Schefter. Thanks. Yeah. Little P boy. Anyways, Justin, you got anything else before we go into this Gettleman, uh, 2014 review? No, no. Um, know that it's something that's on that's like in the back of Bobby's and I's brain, and as more things come out, you know, we'll we'll react to it. But we kind of still want to continue to be a podcast that you know we're we we literally go for almost forty minutes in depth on these edge guys, and we hope that you really enjoy it. We do six guys each, so unlike last episode where we did three guys per position, we did six guys for the edge position totally, which is really insane. We really went in depth. It's a lot of players, so. Focus on that. Focus on the draft. Still get excited for it. Um, but just know that at least on something that it's something in the back of Bobby's and I's brain, like, uh, yeesh, this is a this is a worrisome thing. But we're done talking about it. That's it. All right. So if this is your first episode listening, we are gonna do a, a preview of twelve players from the edge position later on. But I figured a lot of us, you know, we all have our our opinions on the eighteen and nineteen draft, but we don't really have like strong opinions on the Carolina draft. So we're going through all of the Dave Gettleman Carolina drafts. We went through 2013 uh, last week. This episode means, Justin, we're going through 2014. And that started out with, with the first round pick, 28th overall, the 6'5", 245-pound wide receiver out of Florida State, Kelvin Benjamin. Now, Kelvin Benjamin is a person who is a product of a lot of jokes and deservedly so because he got way overweight. He didn't, he didn't work out and he was like a bad teammate. The five picks after him were uh, Dominique Easley, Jimmy Ward, Bradley Roby, good player, Teddy Bridgewater, who I think is maybe one of the most overrated QBs. And then the guard Xavier Suafilo, who I hung out with um, when we were doing scouting trips or combine or um, recruiting trips. Justin, his first year, everyone loved Calvin Benjamin. I mean, he had 73 catches. He had over 1,000 yards, 1,008 yards, nine touchdowns. And then, but the thing that was bad was his target rate. It was probably the worst oh. I've ever seen for a guy who had that many catches at 50.3%. So barely over 50%. He tore his ACL in 2015, missed that Super Bowl year. 2016, he came back and was still had a bad target rate, but had good production, 940 yards and seven touchdowns. 
And then he was traded for a third and a seventh round pick to Buffalo. And he wasn't horrible that year, but it just fell apart. It just fell apart. He was a bad teammate. He became overweight. He wasn't good at his he wasn't good. The Chiefs tried to salvage him. They couldn't get anything out of him. And now he's out of the league. This is this is a bad first round pick. I it did have production and was he was a good player to start off, but you want your your first round picks, you got to get to a second round, a second contract. And Kelvin Benjamin didn't do that. They did get some value back with a third and a seventh. But this may be his worst first round pick. Granted, in 2014, I was playing fantasy football, but I wasn't as in depth of like sports stats and stuff like I am now back in 2014. I was big on the Kelvin Benjamin, like, you know, fantasy train. You know, this this guy, this guy's worth it in fantasy, he puts up the numbers, but holy crap, looking back, this is the first time I've ever stumbled upon his pro football reference page. And holy crap, looking at his catch percentage, he played 15 games, two teams granted. 15 games in 2018, Bobby. He had a total of 67 targets, 25 receptions. That's a 37.3% catch rate. <laughs> Justin, you know me. I'm I'm a like, hey, let's get this, let's get a guy in and do the best with what his talent was. But you remember when Corey Coleman tore his ACL, Shep broke his thumb, and Tate was suspended all within like three days, and they were bringing in wide receivers, and Benjamin was supposedly one. He was the one that I was like, nope. just like, please do not do this. Do not do this with Benjamin. <laughs> He's a bad teammate. He's out of shape. He is totally not worth it. He was the only one. And I'm usually someone who can get behind like moves, but Benjamin was not. So for all the production he had out to start off with, it went bad and it went bad quick. You know, fortunately for Gettleman and the Panthers, they got some value back before it got real bad. And he was trashing Cam on his way out. I mean, it was just a mess. Yeah. So like you said, bad pick, maybe not as terrible as people think. Also, you do have to think, like, even though you say, oh, yeah, 73 receptions, 1,000 yards, don't necessarily know why the catch rate was so low, but if it could have been higher, think of how much better it could have been. You know, you're getting 145 targets. That's a lot. That's a lot of targets. You got 145 targets as a rookie. That is a lot, a lot of targets. So think of what could have been if he was able to either, A, catch the ball a little bit more, or B, you know, if Cam could have gotten the ball to him a little bit more, not sure exactly what happened there. But like you said, Bobby, kind of kind of a bad pick. Yeah. I mean, it, if, if this happens with a second, third round pick, like, okay. But with a first round pick, albeit the end of the first round, it's a bad pick. So the next one on the list, uh, the 60th overall pick in the second round, defensive end, Coney Ely. Coney Ely is kind of in a similar situation without the bad teammate got out of shape kind of thing. You know, he didn't play much his rookie season. In 2015, he had 32 tackles, five sacks, five tackles for a loss. The exact same stats in 2016. Justin, in the Super Bowl against the Broncos, he was the best play. He had the best game out of all the Panthers. He had three sacks and an interception. The best game of his life he played in the Super Bowl, and he was part of that team that had, you know, that 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 stacked, that stacked box with, you know, uh Keekly, Thomas Davis, Kawan Short, Star uh Lele. It was a stacked front seven. Um, Coney Ely, he he like was all right for it, and then then he ended up being traded to the Patriots along with a third round for a second round pick. Then he bounced around a little bit. He was in the XFL with the Roughnecks. It's another one of these guys where the first few years you're like, okay, that's cool, and then Gettleman trades him, and it just never works out. I mean, the Pats cut him. Then he went with the Jets, the Raiders. He bounced around, and then you know he ended up in the XFL. It's, it's almost the same exact story as Benjamin. 35% of the snaps his rookie year found a way to get four sacks. 
found a way to get four sacks, found a way to get six QB hits, 59% of the snaps 2015, found a way to get five sacks, 10 QB hits. So uh, kind again, kind of sneaky, and especially if you consider, again, let's consider the context of what was around Carolina. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned Charles Johnson. I remember Charles Johnson being a pretty mm-hmm. good defensive end for them, so he was Very occupying good. a spot. So they had some good guys. Uh, you know, I, I do. What are, all right, so what do we? What do you consider this pick? What What do you consider this pick? Because you can almost evaluate. Charles Johnson was a little bit older, so you could you could make an argument that if Ely was that good, and if Gentleman evaluated Ely that to be that good, a little bit maybe later in his career, later in his you know his rookie contract, that he should have been a guy that should have stayed around a little bit longer. So, what do you think about this pick? I don't know, man. It's it's because we're not Carolina Panthers fans and, and right. don't know the in depth. It's well, Benjamin, I, I could say bad pick. This one, I don't know, man. This is like out of all the ones that we've went through and I'm going to go through, this is the one that's like, I don't know, because he was very impactful for that Super Bowl team. He was productive for a few years. And then they ship him out. You know, so they get a second round pick back, although they attached a third to it. So basically they were, they traded up and attached Ely to it. And then he doesn't play. I mean, so you got value out of it. But again, a second round pick is another position where you want to get a guy to a second contract. I understand he got value. So, I'll I'll lean not good. Yeah, I I tend to I tend to agree. I mean, it, it's you know yeah we can say that he's sneaky good, but at the end of the day, you know for a guy who's your second round pick, and also not just a second round pick. Um, no, he was the sixtieth overall pick, so he he was a little bit later in the second round, but still, that's still a guy that you want to get value. Justin, out of. So a pro tip, would- pro tip when you're talking about uh, guys' picks that are either like late or early in a round, depending on what your slant is and your take is, you can say. Like Coney Ely, you'd be like, well, if you if you were trying to like play him up, be like, well, he was a third round pick basically. But if that someone was early third round, you could say, well, he was a second round pick. He was basically a second round pick. So you just get to pick which side, depending on whatever your argument is. So pick a side, damn it. Well, I think my my side is saying that because he was a second round pick and you didn't get a ton of value out of him during his Carolina tenure. So therefore, that is why my my bias and the narrative that I'm going to be pushing right now is that it wasn't that great of a pick. Yeah, well, he was, I mean, he was basically just a third round pick though, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Now next on the list might be my favorite value pick from Dave Gettleman. The 92nd overall pick in the third round, basically a fourth round pick. Oh, all right. I'll stop with that. Five time pro bowler, Trey <laughs> Turner, offensive guard. Um, he in 2017, he signed a four year, $45 million extension. Trey Turner could very well be the best guard in the NFL after Quentin Nelson. I love Trey Turner. Just watch him play. I love every single thing about his game. I can't believe Matt rule traded him for Russell Okun. I get contracts and stuff, but Matt rule, what are you doing, dude? I love Trey Turner. I think this might be the best value pick out of all of Dave Gellman's era. I mean, this guy's a beast. You get a five-time Pro Bowl. He's been a Pro Bowl basically every year of his career. Was huge for that Super Bowl team for in the third round. This is a slam dunk of a pick for me. Who was he traded for? Russell Okung to San Diego or LA, the Chargers. I guess I guess that's a bit of a positional value move if we're if we're thinking no, about it's Matt a, Rule. The Panthers are tanking move. Well, I mean, if we're thinking about Matt Rule as this new innovative mind. Yeah. Um anyway. <laughs> Anyway, but I'm, not, I'm um, not thinking of them that way. Yeah, well, W W of pick, huge win. Probably no, not probably. This was the biggest win of this draft. Oh yeah, definitely. 
All right, in the fourth round with the 128th overall pick, safety Trey Boston. Um, we flirted with him last year, bringing him in. Wish we would have. He would have been a much better uh, than Antoine Bethea. He actually j- went back to Carolina, Justin, um, and then he just re- and then he resigned with them this year on a three-year, $18 million contract after being with the Cardinals for a little while. He's had 14 interceptions in six years. He's been a, re- a really good safety. Now he does. Now I remember when I was watching James Bradbury. He does make mental mistakes, but he makes plays. He had five interceptions one season. And you get him in the fourth round. This is another slam dunk pick for Gettleman. For a position that's so hard to play, deep, you know, center field free safety for a position that's so, so hard to play. You know, he was drafted in 2014. We're approaching 2020. Even though it's been a few one-year contracts, he's he's got he's collected his money, he's collected his paycheck, and he's still a, a quality starter in the league. You got to consider that a win. Uh, Carolina has certainly gotten the value out of him. I think he's he's even versatile. I think he's has he even split time playing strong safety as well. I'm not sure, honestly. He was playing free for them this past year. Yeah, I, I definitely know he was playing free, but I remember doing an entire episode, an entire bleeding blue episode with David Powis on one on him jo- on Jonathan Cyprian and Trey Boston. No, but I was like, okay, let's let's not spend that much time on him on these guys. But I was like, I think we're really going to sign them because we really need safety help. Nope. We didn't sign any of them. So I will, that, that, that will always be one of my favorite bleeding blue episodes that we literally spent 40 minutes talking about two players that never made the team. But I remember him possibly being a strong safety. I don't know, but Trey Boston, good player, collected his money, good value pick fourth round. Yeah. All right. With the 148th overall pick in the fifth round cornerback, Benny, Ben Wick here. This ends up being a good pick because he's a fifth-round pick. In the Super Bowl year, he played 72% of the snaps. He was their nickel corner. He was another guy who was like somewhat productive starting out. And then if you remember, and I think this was after Norman left, and you remember they just got lit up by the Falcons. I think Julio Jones had like 300 yards, and he was cut that like next day. There was never a real explanation about it. He bounced around after that. Um, He had three career interceptions. But I think for what you got out of this guy, where he was a, a starter for a Super Bowl team uh, in the fifth round, I, I'll say good pick. You, I don't know what ended up happening, but I'll, I'll say good pick because it's a fifth round. If this happens in the third round, bad pick. Fifth round, good pick. Pro Football Reference says his nickname is Big Play Bene. And I hate Pro Football Reference nicknames. They have such stupid – same thing with Pro Baseball Reference. They have, uh, they have such like stupid nicknames. Yeah, it was kind of strange to see. I, you know, just just scrolling on his on his page, the advanced defense and fumbles metric that just started in 2018. I wish they really could go back and I wish they could uh, ch- take all the time of the world. I mean, it is quarantine, so they should do this. Take all the time of the world and go back through every single NFL game ever and evaluate uh, targets, completion, completion percentage allowed for these defensive back safeties and linebackers. That would be helpful because they only started tracking this data in 2018. So with two teams, uh, largely he was with Arizona. He started 11 games or he started eight games with 11 games total played. He had a total quarterback rating of uh, 85.6 and uh, allowed almost 64 completion percentage, which isn't totally bad. So I would like to know kind of what happened with this guy. And that was 2018. Didn't even play 2019. So yeah, it doesn't seem like a bad player was around for a few years and it's, it's, it's tough to make it as a cornerback. So all right, pick decent pick. Right. All right. So next in the sixth round, the last pick of, of this draft form 204th overall, the second time that he took uh, a running back in the sixth round, 
out of Stanford, Tyler Gaffney. He didn't make the team. He never played in the NFL. He bounced around with the Patriots practice squad. And Justin, I, I'm I'm appalled because when you draft running backs in the sixth round, they're supposed to be four or five year starters for you. I don't know what ended up happening. JJ Taylor is going to be the league's savior. Mm, okay. <laughs> Posted a JJ Taylor video today. Did you see who commented? I love JJ. No. Nick Filato, our uh, f- friend friend of the program. So if Nick Filato says that he loves JJ Taylor, that means that JJ Taylor is pretty nah, damn good. I think Nick Filato sucks too. Now, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I can't stand Nick Filato. His, his voice annoys me. Um, you stop it. I can hear him read those advertisements <laughs> on Big Blue Banter all day. All right. Let's let's let. Well, we're reading advertisements for them right now. We are. Um, this is true. Anyways, all right. So that that's it for the draft. Justin, we don't do grades, but what do you think of this draft overall? Eh, when your first round is a mess, that always sucks. You know, the only thing that I guess I'm going to knock is that you know your your best position of this draft was an interior lineman, and you know, for looking at positional value, I would say interior lineman is kind of a, around the average. If you want to prioritize positions on a football team, it's around. You know, somewhere where you don't want to put a high priority on, but it's not something, or it's not Trey something Turner's that you like need to put a high priority game, on. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to be fair, and not just and Here, not just saying third, oh, the third because of that four, one pick. Third and fourth round make me want to jump through the moon. First yeah. and second round are confusing and not good. So I think it's about as middle of the pack of a draft as you can get because you get you get really good players and a great player in the third round and on, but your first two rounds, although did have production for you, didn't pan out. Yeah. I'm calling it below average. Like, then that's not, it's not terrible. It's not bad, but I'm just saying, I, I think it's below, it's a below average draft. All right. All right. So let's take a quick break and we'll get into our edge preview. I'm the best. All right. Let's get into the edge guys. Justin, I'm excited about, talking about these edge guys, not necessarily just because of the players, but because the last four days of people tweeting and Instagram commenting saying we don't need a tight end or a running back has been very annoying. And I started out trying to explain to people and then I just, I just gave up after a certain point. It also kind of worked into this. Do we, are we believers that the Giants should trade Evan Ingram simply because we're making videos on, <laughs> on tight ends? And it was a, it was a fun weekend. It was a wild weekend. Uh, in regards to that was like the most commented thing on our post is exactly that trade Evan Ingram or we already have running backs. We already have tight ends. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for engaging with our content, everybody. We appreciate you. But that's part of the reasons why we did that first and we got it out of the way. And now we have a very, 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 very relevant position to talk about. Yes, we do. All right, Justin. So I figured we go in order of our rankings and I think both of us would probably have Chase Young first. So I'm going to let you lead it off with none other than Chase Young. Chase Young, 6'5", 265 pounds. He was fourth in the Heisman voting, by the way, this year, 2019. 6'5", 265 pounds. Uh, Let's go back to 2018 because this is kind of wild to read, too. 2018, uh, 13 games. He had 14 and a half half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, 
2019, he had 21 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks. So remember, if you're a first-time listener, if you're listening to this for the first time, or just a reminder from from last week, I break up my notes and I break up how I break up uh, analyzing players into a plus-plus category, a plus category, and then a minus category. So in my plus-plus category for Chase Young, Besides the quarterbacks in this class, Young is the player that would impact the game the most, and he had the most value on the football field. He single-handedly impacted games, forcing teams to emphasize the quick passing game, rolling the QB the opposite way, and ran the ball in the opposite direction. So he has a combination of athletic traits and size. Uh, It honestly makes you think that he was made in a lab. He is the perfect edge rusher in today's NFL. Um, He has a perfect combination of being loose, agile, quick, but also aggressive and strong. His flexibility, his ability to bend, dip his shoulder, his hand placement and punch all contribute to Young, allowing to get his hands on the offensive player first on a consistent basis. And Bobby, uh, this may even be something that we talk about throughout the episode about the importance of defensive players and even offensive tackles, you know, getting their hand, you know, whoever gets their hands on the other man first, uh, it, that that's going to be a likelihood of who is going to win that battle. But... You eventually run out of adjectives trying to describe the type of player Young is. He transcends typical evaluations. He is a game changer. He's franchise altering. Uh, Under the plus category, I know how people feel about pro football focus, but they did call Young the best prospect they have ever scouted for what that's worth. 75, (laughs) 75 pressures in 2018. 75, according to pro football focus. And when teams actually started to pay more attention to him this year, he came back. And according to Pro Football Focus, he got 18 sacks, even though college pro, even though college football reference says he got 16 and a half. So whoever you want to believe out of those two, the difference in numbers is frustrating. He didn't have as much pressures and QB hits in 2019, but the increase in five sacks with your compared to your sophomore season, and that was already at 13, that's astounding. And remember how he missed two games? In the minus category, he can sometimes lose track of the football in the run game. If he wants to be a top premier edge rusher sooner rather than later, he would need to develop an assortment of pass rushing moves. But really, this is a nitpicking point because so many of his traits are they are elite. He doesn't need to have all the moves in the world, in my opinion, because of just his pure athletic ability. But you definitely do want to develop more pass rushing moves to avoid becoming predictable. Bobby, overall... This is the only player I would really want the Giants to stand pat and just take at four. Chase Young is the real deal. I think we already know it, but fun to evaluate and fun to put together a little bit of a scouting report. Yeah, and we're, and we're not adding much to each other's players, but when you watch Chase Young, and I think this is what shows that he's a great and amazing top prospect, is that when you look at almost every guy in the draft, you go, I don't like that about him. With Chase Young, it's just you don't... You don't say that, you know. He might. I'm not saying every play. He's just dominating. But there's nothing about his game where you just go, "Don't really like that." The only thing that worries about me, it, him, worries me about him is, it, is he a hard worker? And I'm not basing that off anything. It's my only worry about these top guys is, are they going to be hard workers or are they going to rely on just their ability? But at the defensive end spot, you can kind of actually do that a little bit. But yeah, Chase Young is a friggin' beast. If he falls to four somehow, or if like Maurice Jones Drew says, we trade up to two. Just kidding. Chase Young is that guy. (laughs) Chase Young is that guy. So first on my edge list, well, at least out of the guys I did, I didn't think this guy was going to be the top. I thought he, I was going to dislike him. I have the most bullet points on him than I do any other player. 
I think he is the boom or bust player of this draft. There's parts of me when I see him that scare the crap out of me. And there's parts of me that says, oh my gosh, get him in blue. It's LSU edge rusher Kalevon Chasen, six foot three, two 254 pounds. He did not take place in the combine. Last year, he had 60 tackles, Justin, six and a half sacks, 13 and a half tackles for the loss. So the, the sacks don't really jump out at you. But what does jump out is he is so fast off the edge. He is a speed demon off the edge. And he's just a natural athlete. I mean, he hadn't even played varsity football yet, and LSU offered him a scholarship. He was following his friend um, on a visit to LSU, and they offered him a scholarship. Now, is this guy high character or what? Well, the number 18 on the LSU defense is given to high character guys. That's the number Caleb on Chase and War. You listen to him on interviews, he kind of seems he seems like a guy who's, who buys in and he's a part of like a good culture. But what makes you want him is the speed, Justin. It's unbelievable. He will kill guys with his with uh, his edge rush. And that speed sets him up for deadly outside end moves. He'll make offensive tackles look silly. And he can actually drop in the coverage pretty well, which, you know, I didn't when I went to go watch him, I wasn't expecting to see that. When he drops in the coverage, he's actually pretty good at it. So that's another plus. But his hands are eh. He doesn't really use his hands much, Justin. He kind of just relies on that speed and quicker offensive tackles, more athletic offensive tackles. They kind of shut him down. Andrew Thomas, and this is why, because I Andrew Thomas was one of the first guys they watched. Andrew Thomas shut him down. Now, Jedrick Wills, he didn't have a ton of one-on-ones with Jedrick Wills, but when there there was only one time, I counted, when he beat Jedrick Wills, and there was only one time when he beat Andrew Thomas. So that does worry about me, and that's what worries me about him being a bust. It's like this guy is just this athletic freak, but is he Jarvis Jones out of Georgia who went to the Steelers? Is he just a guy who just has that speed and has nothing else? So that's the thing that worries about me. But, Justin, I think he could fit in good with the Giants defense. And he missed all out of 2018 with a Torrey ACL in that Miami game. Uh, it's all about the U. Anyways, I think he would fit, though, I, if you're looking for a team he would fit with, would be the Giants because we have those interior defensive linemen, Justin. We've got, you know, some run-stopping middle linebackers. And I just think with all that weight in the middle, with Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, Kalevon Chasen is just a better, like, is a much better, like, a, a much more athletic version of Marcus Golden. And we saw how Marcus Golden um, had success with these guys. So, Chasen does scare me, but I would be super excited to draft him. Now, let me ask you this question, because this is the thing that pops in my brain about Chasen. A guy that doesn't have a lot of moves, all the guys on my list, I kind of made sure I prioritized, have a little bit more than one move. You know, don't solely rely on going outside, you know, maybe have a little bit of hand fighting skills here and there. Jason doesn't really have those things, and that's the thing that scares you. It's also the thing that scares me. He's very boom or bust. Now, you think he fits well with the Giants, but I'm thinking of the NFC East. I'm thinking of Tyrone Smith. I'm thinking if Trent Williams is even a Redskin. And I'm also thinking of Lane Johnson. These NFC East teams, they have elite tackles with a lack of moves. And for basically six games out of the whole season, can we expect if Chase were to be a giant, can we expect him to produce in those in those ever important divisional games? Well, what makes me think that he might, maybe not year one, maybe he might be a guy that struggles year one, is the fact that he's supposedly this high character guy that is going to put in the work. Um, and like I said, like he missed, he didn't play, like he got a scholarship before playing varsity football. He wasn't like he wasn't J- a f- JPP like. Yeah. And like he missed all of 2018. 
miss all of 2018. He tore his ACL in the first game of the season versus Miami. I'm still mad that Miami lost that game. So he had one year, and he, he found something that worked. He It worked for him. So he's never really been – he's never really had to do that. So I think he's a guy who can develop into that. Maybe it doesn't work right away, um, and maybe he doesn't develop into that. That's why I think he has – like he could be the bust of this draft too. Going into this, after watching Andrew Thomas, I was a little worried about him. I would be excited about him. So I, I like Chase Young is basically what I'm saying. And I have him higher than anyone besides Chase Young as far as edge guys. It's crazy how some people debate that that Georgia LSU game and looking at that Andrew Thomas and Chase Young matchup, that people still debate who won, who won that matchup. But if you look at our in-depth breakdown, uh, we're in-depth breakdown on YouTube, you'll see that Andrew Thomas clearly won that matchup. But that's something that bugs me, that it's debated who won that. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Anyway, Andrew Thomas won next... against a lot of these guys, though, when he went up against them. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's like th- there's like three, four guys we're going over where Andrew Thomas dominated them. So anyways, go ahead. Though. We'll, we'll talk about offensive tackles in a couple weeks. My next guy, Julian Aquara. Yes, brother of Romeo Aquara, former giant great Sunday night football. That that one Dallas game where JPP was out. He was a hero. Julian Aquara, his brother, 6'4", 248 pounds. His 2018 season was a lot more productive than his 2019 season. He did break his leg, but his 2018 season had 12 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks. 2019, he started nine games, so he missed a few games, but he had a total of seven tackles for loss and five sacks. So in my plus-plus category, I have Julian Okwara at great bend. He flashed his great bend in that regard, ending up in various sacks. QB hits and game-altering plays. This ability to bend and be flexible doesn't allow offensive linemen to get proper hand placement on him, which is nice. At the snap of the ball, he has great quickness and get-off. Um, he's also more than capable in the dropping into coverage. He even has some nice interceptions downfield that wa- that wound up on his highlight tape. His plus category, I have a lot for I have a decent amount for his plus category. Sneaky strength, something you hope he can develop on tape more, especially in the run game, but... 27 bench press reps for a guy who can run like a tight end. It's really impressive. He has to solidify a good bull rush, though. That's why 27 bench press reps kind of impressed a lot of scouts at the combine because he had an inconsistent bull rush and the play strength wasn't totally there. He is, although tall and long, and he should be able to develop muscle mass as time goes on. He ran some productive and tight stunts at the collegiate level. It led to a good amount of pressures and QB hits. 2018, he had the sixth most most QB pressures in college football. And then, like I said, 2019, he took a bit of a step down, and his season ended with a broken leg. In my minus category, very below average run stop percentage, high missed tackle rate, but 33% of his tackles were tackles for loss. But the below average run stop rate and the high missed tackle rate are two things that are concerning for me. He does have the tendency to stand straight up in the run game and can seem sluggish at times. His lack of production in the run game and not being as productive in the 2019 season are probably two of the more concerning aspects of his game for me. And unless he is coming off the edge as a pass rusher and can get tackles into pass sets, he struggles with leverage and production overall. So overall, as a player and a prospect, uh, he is a much better prospect than his brother coming out of school at Notre Dame. He probably will end up being a first-round pick with his high upside, with the ability to end muscle mass, and the fact that his only drill in the combine that he actually did surprise in, um, which was the bench press. Again, that's the only drill that he participated in at the combine. It should definitely help his stock, but as of now, he is a pass rusher that needs to develop other aspects of his game. 
Yeah, I watched. I went and watched him against Andrew Thomas, and you mentioned the the negative being the run. I mean, Thomas kind of mauled him at times, so I didn't like that. Now, what you do like about him, Justin, like you said, is his potential. He's able to get around the edge and do it quickly, and he like he can use his hands well initially. But like you said, there's times where he gets bullied and stands straight up. And I, I, like I said, I don't want to judge guys against Andrew Thomas, but I kind of do want to judge guys against Andrew Thomas because you know that's what you're going to be going against. In the NFL. Justin, next on my list. AJ Epinesa, Iowa, six foot five, two hundred seventy-five pounds. Now he had a bad combine. A bad, 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 like Ooh. horrible combine. <laughs> Ran a five oh four forty. Come on, my man. Seventeen bench press reps. A thirty-two and a half inch vertical jump, which isn't bad. Justin at Iowa. In 2019, it had 49 tackles, 11 and a half sacks, 14 tackles for a loss. In 2018, where he was not a starter, he had 37 tackles, 10 and a half sacks, and 16 and a half tackles for a loss. So he had 22 sacks and 30 and a half tackles for losses in his last two seasons. But Justin, I know the combine numbers suck, but I like Epinesa. I think he's really good. I think he's got maybe the best hand fight in this out of all these guys, besides maybe Chase Young. I mean, it's it's beautiful what he does with his hands. I mean, he went up against Austin Jackson and just wore him down. By the end of the game, he was just just beating Austin Jackson like a drum. And that's what you look for. You want to see those matchups with guys who are going to be NFL people. So because of that, he was able to use his hands and, and get to the QB for for all those sacks. Um, and when he got there, he forced eight fumbles the last two seasons. So like he goes for the ball. He's got those good instincts. Like I said, he has a 504-40, so he's not going to run past offensive tackles. But he is someone who, if you have bad technique or you you have bad feet, bad hands, he is gonna he's gonna pick you apart. And those are the kind of guys I like. I mean, Golden was like that. I mean, now they're two totally different players. They're very opposite players. But something I liked about Golden when the Giants signed him, when I went and looked at him for our, our previews for the 2019 season, was you cannot put a tight end or a running back on Golden because he will win that battle and he'll win it quick. And that's why I like about Ebenezer. He picked guys apart. And he's versatile. You can play him inside. He reminds me kind of. I don't want to sound too high. Wait, wait. Reminds- I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna one, say it. One because two, I. I said three. this on Christmas on the, Day on the count. Just one, Tuck. two, three. Oh my! Just- you son of a gun! I'm gonna. Sh- I'm gonna. I'm gonna go buy a gun and shoot you through the computer screen. He reminds me wow. of Justin. <laughs> That's violent. <laughs> uh, but hey, this guy has violent hands, man. Like a gun through a computer screen. Anyways. Uh, he, so he can play inside, like he he'll dominate guards. He you know he'll run stunts on the inside. He reminds me of Justin Tuck. I'm not saying he's gonna be Justin Tuck, but he does remind me of Justin Tuck. I like AJ Epinesa. A lot of the combine turns people off, but I like what I saw out of the guy. I was turned off by Epinesa way before the combine, and it goes. And I guess is this a bias? Like, let me know if this is just me being a stupid idiot and a young fan, and just evaluating the game in the way that I evaluate. And I may have to change it. Blah 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 blah. Let me know. But Bobby, I agree with you. Active hands, that swipe move that he has to get these offensive tackles and to get their hands off of him and to therefore dip his shoulder a little bit, get around, it's elite. But when that doesn't work, when that doesn't work, and if we're talking about what ultimately rushing the passer is, it's a chess game. And all these tackles, they're going to know Epinesa's move. They're going to know what he's going to go to on a consistent basis. It's going to be that move. They're going to be ready for it. These tackles are smart. They evolve. They watch tape. You know, they know this. So if that is his only move that is successful, and that's what I saw on film, that Epineza, his only move is that swipe. 
and he he cannot do much else outside of that. That concerns me. That concerns me a ton, a ton, a ton. That the thing is that swipe it can turn into other things. And we saw it with Austin Jackson where when he went for that swipe, Austin Jackson dumped him once. But that you being able to do that that shows that you can develop more pass rush moves. At least it does to me. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, listeners. But you like I look for good hands, and he has good hands. So that swipe can turn into a rip. It can turn into a swim. And then once you got guys worrying about that, that's when you bull rush him and and, and move it to the inside. So look, I I like his hands, and that's why, like out of I mean all these guys besides Chase Young, there's not really anybody who has like this great. Um, I always forget this word, arsenal of moves. It's just, it's yeah. just, and in college now, it's just like it's your one move and you go and do it. So, but Epinesa is someone I see developing and getting, um, getting better with his hands going forward. Yeah, I mean, he has the frame, he has the reach, and you know, to to be to be versatile. I mean, it's almost strange to see how like the hand swipe move is his move when he has this frame and reach and therefore power and size. So. You know, if he can develop that into more, and if that's how that typically works at the pro level, and if that's how that typically works developmentally, um, then great, great for Epineza. I, I wouldn't be thrilled. Wouldn't be thrilled if if he were if he were a giant. Because again, I I think there's just a predictability to his game. Um, you know, if I were an offensive tackle, knowing what somebody's going to do, I have a distinct advantage of how of going into that football game, uh, how to stop you. So, all right, my next guy is Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, edge rusher, 6'2", 238 pounds. This year, he started 14 games. I Let's actually go through his tackles. He had an incredible year tackles-wise. 52 solo tackles, 23 assists for 75 total tackles, 19 and a half tackles for loss, whoa, and 12 and a half sacks. So let's break down Zach Bourne in my plus-plus category. He has impressive dip and rip move to win off the edge. 99th percentile in the 10-yard split at the combine for his position. 82nd percentile in 20-yard shuttle. And 90th percentile in the three-cone drill for his position. High motor. Love, love, love the high motor on Zach Bond. He has quick hands and good punch as well. Much better in the run game than a guy that I'm going to be talking about next, Curtis Weaver and Okwara. And they have a decent amount of weight on him. So that's important to note that Bond, uh, who's 238 pounds, uh, much better in the run game than guys that are much bigger than him. He had 29 total run stops in 2019, according to PFF. Uh, I was shocked to learn, in my, and then the, I'm going down in my plus category, I was shocked to learn that Bond weighed only 238 pounds because he plays much higher than his weight. He can be an off-ball linebacker who plays in coverage and also comes off the edge. He had an approximately 21% forced incompletion percentage and an allowed a 10% completion percentage. He wins as a pass rusher using his athletic ability rather than using pass rushing moves on a consistent basis. This can be a good thing and a bad thing because it's saying, hey, Zach Bond is able to win as an edge rusher using his athleticism, but you know, de- uh, developing those pass rushing moves that needs to be something that happens at the pro level. So in my minus category, not a single bull rush pressure in 2019. 
the scheme at Wisconsin as well had Bourne going up against tight ends and running backs. So a decent amount of some of his stats can be a bit padded when we're talking about him as an edge rusher or as a pass rusher. Weight is a bit of a concern if teams envision him being solely an edge rusher, but if he's going to be an off-ball linebacker, I think that may make him versatile in some regards. So overall, his combine may have pushed him into the first round. Bobby, he's been one of those guys where we have been talking about him as a quote-unquote second-round steal for so long that he now has to inevitably be a first-round pick, right? So ultimately, teams are going to have a lot of fun with his skill set and where exactly they can fit him. He's a guy that is versatile, but not too versatile, where you're asking him, like, where the hell is he actually going to line up? So I like his versatility, but he's not too versatile because you kind of know where his role could be. He's almost like a Ryan Connolly, and I know it's like, oh, you're just comparing because of the college. He's almost like a Ryan Connolly on the edge type player. Where, like you said, he's not going to bull rush guys, but he's got that speed, that aggressiveness, that quick instincts. He reminds me of Kyle Van Noy. I think he's going to play off ball. I really do. And I was, it's one of those things like, Justin, where we watch these guys, and then you look at the scouting report and like, oh, cool. I had that thought with Bond. I was like, man, it seems like this guy could like play off the ball. And then everyone's like, yeah, yeah. he might have to play off ball. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I, I like Zach Bond a lot. I don't I don't know if he's going to be in the cards for the Giants just because he is kind of in that tweener role right now, um, and we don't like we don't know what's going to happen with trade down and stuff. Um, so I, I don't think Zach Bond might will be in the Giants cards, but you never know what's going to happen with the trade down. I like I like Zach Bond a lot. Justin, next on my list. This guy, he was the last guy I looked at in my scouting reports, and I wasn't planning because I, I did like I did I did a bunch for the edge group. So this guy, I was just doing it just for the sake of doing it. I had extra time on Sunday, and I just started going into scouting report mode. Florida Gators, six foot three, two hundred sixty four pounds. Jabari Zuniga, I love Jabari, man. He was he might be like the steal of this edge group. He ran a four six four forty, twenty nine bench press reps, a thirty three inch vertical jump. Um, now the stats aren't great. Um, you know, last year he played five games due to uh due to an ankle injury. He had 12 tackles, three sacks, five and a half tackles for loss. In 2018 and 12 games, he had 45 tackles, six and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss. So the stats aren't great. But Justin, he only played one year of high school football. He was actually a basketball player. Um, he had the high ankle sprain in 2019. I love this guy because he has amazing bursts off the line of scr- scrimmage, and he has agility with it too. He wreaks havoc on teams. He's got a good inside move where he'll just completely juke guys. Um, and they'll line him up on the inside too. Sometimes they'll pit him at a three, uh, a three te- technique four eye, basically being between the guard and the tackle, and he'll make he'll make um, noise there. He's got an extremely high motor. He sheds blockers better than like almost anybody in this in this draft. I don't know why people aren't talking about this guy more. I don't know if it's because maybe he's like undersized a little bit, but Jabari is a freak, man. I had a lot of fun watching him. He was my like, oh my gosh, I got I got to tell the world about this guy when I started watching him. Yeah, he may be projected as almost like a fifth round guy, but of course, you know, if, if the upside is is here, you may have a team that takes him a little bit sooner than that. Um, Bobby, I'm not gonna lie, this is this is somebody that you that you're kind of you're kind of forcing my hand to look into a little bit more. What do you think about his strength? Because you mentioned his athleticism, you, you mentioned his get off. I thought it was fine. And the bench press reps uh, showed that with 29 reps at the combine. Uh, I didn't see – he didn't get bullied. And he plays low to the ground too. So, like, offensive linemen have a hard time moving him even when they are uh, locked on to him. And he sheds he shed block, he sheds blocks amazingly. My next guy 
is Curtis Weaver. Curtis Weaver, edge from Boise State, 6'2", 265 pounds. The production, I'm, I think I, I have to do all three years. I have to do all three years, freshman, sophomore, and junior year uh, season for this guy because he had unreal production throughout his time at Boise State. So as a freshman, he had 13 tackles for loss, 11 sacks. As a sophomore, 15 tackles for loss, 9.5 sacks. And then he caps off his senior year, 19.5 tackles for loss with 13.5 sacks. Who knows if pro football focus and who knows if other places are measuring these things different. A little bit frustrated, but here we go. Curtis Weaver, plus plus in my plus plus category. Like I said, unreal production and stats at Boise State. It's been production that has rarely been seen. And this production has been present throughout his entire career at Boise State. Additionally, he's a great hand fighter. It was very, very fun to watch him work at the point of attack. He seems to adjust to what he is going to do after the snap of the ball, and he doesn't necessarily pre-plan his moves. Bobby, if this guy is coming off the edge with the head of steam going towards your quarterback, you better say your prayers because he blows people up. He, he's a big hitter. He doesn't hold back. Probably the most fun aspect of his game is the licking that he puts on quarterbacks. In my plus category, he's fluid him. and agile. What was that? said he licks them. He licks them. He licks them with his tongue. Uh, my plus category, fluid and agile in his movements as an edge rusher. He didn't solely rely on inside or outside moves, so he is versatile in that regard. His ability to get tackles to open up their hips early is impressive and has the power to also punch and open up tackle shoulders as well. In my minus category, the lack of legitimate competition faced and lack of athleticism could have an impact on his upside at the pro level. He wasn't all that effective in the run game. Uh, he skipped out in the 40-yard dash at the combine for a reason, and I'm sure it's not a good one. So questions about his athletic ability and his pursuit ability, it's inevitably present when you're not when you're when you're not athletic and you're not good in the run game and you also don't participate in the 40-yard dash. It's a that's a bit of a red flag for NFL teams. Uh, also, when he is double teamed, he seems to look lost and he lacks the hustle on plays where he is the backside defender. So Bobby Skinner, overall, this guy is an analytics guru's dream player in terms of productions, but questions about his athleticism, his effort and versatility as both a pass rusher and a run defender, they are ultimately present. Can he maybe shed some weight and improve as a run defender at the pro level? That is certainly what teams are certainly going to be betting on. Yeah, what and you mentioned it. It pops off the screen how good he uses his hands, and then he turns his hips real quick. So, I mean, that kind of that's like pops off of the screen. He does it almost every single play, and like does it well every play. All right. So next on my list is Yitor Grossmatos out of Penn State, the defensive end. He's six foot five, two hundred sixty six pounds. He was working with our current D line coach, Coach Chaos Sean Spencer. In two thousand nineteen, he had forty tackles. Nine sacks, 14 and a half tackles for a loss in 2018 in 13 games played. So two more games played, 54 tackles, eight sacks, 20 tackles for a loss. So really good production. So in 24 games played in his last two seasons, 17 sacks, 34 and a half tackles for a loss. You can't, you can't be mad at that. Um, he has a really good inside hand swipe move. Like and it's, it's quick and he's there. And he'll, so he'll make a tackle look silly. Now he doesn't do it consistent enough to where it's like, oh, I love it. Uh, he's not really strong at the point of attack. Like he plays, he plays very high, and being six foot five, um, that can get you in trouble. But he's very smart with his hands in the run game. His hands are the thing that you, that stick out the most. 
Uh, he needs more moves because it's kind of like that inside hand and go. Um, but he's going to bring, he's got the motor. He's going to bring the energy every play. He's, he's more, I think he's more of a run defender than he is uh, a, a pass rusher. I, w- I wanted to love y- uh, Yitor, but I just, I, I think he's good, but I just, I didn't fall in love with him. And that's why I wanted to talk about Jabari before I did Yitor. Yitor. I like his name though. You know, oh, you're right. Yitor. I want, you know, he's going to be a giant, right? Yeah, because we're going to get all guys who have played with our coaches. <laughs> yeah, so you said that, and I was like, oh, so we're talking about a future New York Giant here, and I can't <laughs> wait to use this clip of the podcast. Yeah, I, I saw, I, I'm seeing issues of balance, but what you ultimately have to love about this guy, you know, 6'5", six, six, 266 pounds. I mean, that's such a rare combination of length, speed, um, le- excuse me, length, size, um, and the flexibility that you also saw from uh, from our buddy Yitor was kind of fun. So hopefully, you know, he, he is going to be a giant, so get ready for it. Hopefully he can develop a, as a complementary player and a three-down player. Right. I would like that. My next guy is Derek Tuska, edge from North Dakota State. He is 6'5", 246 pounds. He had a total of 19 tackles for loss in 2019 and 13 and a half sacks. So very, very good production. But North Dakota State University will get into the issues that I feel like, you know, of of competition and the level of competition that he faced. So Derek Tuska, my plus plus category. Dare I call him a Gruden grinder? Oh, boy, you you read in my mind. He is a Gruden grinder. (laughs) Small school, white guy. Good bursts, good instincts, good pad level. He's a Gruden grinder. Yeah. So Derek call him a Gruden grinder. Oh, especially even consider this. He was a no-star recruit coming out of high school. So small school uh, pass rusher who will probably be drafted later in the draft. Uh, similar to Weaver, he showed an ability to dominate his competition when playing against somewhat lackluster schools. Great hands and hand fighting. Um, one of the first guys that I have actually looked at besides Chase Young that actually times his bull rushes that caught tackles off guard. Bobby, motor, 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 motor. Another guy like Weaver, where if he's coming at your QB with the head of steam, you better look out. Now, Bobby, I have to tell you, he had unreal combine numbers. 92nd percentile in the 10-yard split for his position, 95th percentile in the 20-yard shuttle, 98th percentile in the 40-yard dash, 99th percentile for a three-cone drill, 92nd percentile in the vertical jump, and 99th percentile for the broad jump. So that was a pretty damn good combine. My plus category Good bend off the edge and good flexibility. FCS offensive tackles had a difficult time adjusting to that kind of athleticism, but compared to the other guys on my list, this isn't as much as a strength simply because, you know, we talk about the level of competition. So my minus category, at 251 pounds, there is a strength question, but his 31-inch arms concerns me a bit more because it can lead to a lack of separation. Ultimately, the biggest question is, can his play translate over to the pro level, and can he adjust to much better competition so uh overall i'm excited to see if tuska can develop into a quality nfl player he is an underdog in this class he may have to prove his worth on special teams but he certainly has the grit the motor and the athleticism to do so if he earns a spot as a special teamer it may buy him some time to develop as an edge rusher yeah this guy's a gruden grinder i like this guy man all right next on my list out of charlotte second time we're two episodes of a draft preview we've done two charlotte guys he's six foot three 248 pounds alex highsmith this guy was interesting 
We're going to 474. He didn't participate in the bench, a 33-inch vertical jump. In 2019, he had 75 tackles as a defensive end, 15 sacks, 21 and a half tackles for a loss. And he looked good against Clemson, too. And he had a sack against Clemson on Chase Bryce, who is now the Duke QB. Duke gang? He's got a full toolbox of pass rush moves, which has been a theme of this episode, Justin, is that these guys don't. They kind of have their one move and they just dominate with it. He has a full a full toolbox, and he's I mean, and that means he's great with his hands, which is like a theme of my guys. Is, is I like what guys do with their hands. He's extremely smart. He's the only guy where I'm like, I don't like the way you tackle. He arm tackles a lot, so which allows guys to like get an extra yard or two. So that was the only thing I didn't like. Justin, a strong bull rush. If he can like get some strength and just start bull rushing dudes, it can make him deadly, and he could be like the Max Crosby of this draft. You want to know who PFF compared him to? The I know you hate player comparisons, oh God, but no, you want to know who PFF compared him to? Who? Marcus Golden. Really? Yeah, you oh. see that, or are they, or are they stupid idiots? That's a, I don't see that at all. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's light skinned and it's like hard to compare people like that. I don't know. Yeah, you have a hard time. You have a hard time with that. It is very hard, and I'm telling you, challenge yourself. Compare a white guy to a black guy and like these it's a very hard thing to do the best time i've ever done it justin was that jacoby and blake Bortles. yes i feel like that was my best that was my best interracial comparison i haven't had many great ones since apparently um highsmith didn't play edge until his senior year he went from four to 16 sacks so if you're wondering why the stat line may look a little weak uh, in previous years that's why yeah and he still had 18 and a half tackles for a loss in 2018 too all right justin who Versatile. is your last right. guy? Final guy, uh, Raquan Davis. I felt like we weren't going to do this episode justice if we were going to cover defensive linemen and edge guys. If I didn't include at least one interior defensive lineman, even though Giants fans are throwing up at the sound of me saying that I am previewing an interior defensive lineman. So, Raquan Davis, interior defensive lineman out of Alabama. He is 6'7". Whoa. College football, college football reference says him at the uh, six seven, six seven, three hundred pounds. Numbers, you gotta look at I. Pro football reference is like? liar. I'm gonna look it up. What's what? Give me yeah, his you, pro football reference. Six foot six, not six. Oh, seven. three hundred eleven pounds. Excuse, ex- excuse me. So, um, total of eighteen solo tackles, twenty nine for assist, forty seven total tackles, three tackles for loss, a half a sack. This guy is not going to be a guy that is going to get you sacks, and he's gonna and he's not going to be a guy that's going to put up flashy numbers as an interior defensive lineman. We are familiar with with this overall theme of interior defensive linemen not putting up flashy numbers. So, Giants fans, hopefully you understand and don't dismiss this player totally. Um, overall, Raquan Davis, as we just disputed his his height and weight. Awesome length and power. He's one of those players that if coaches are confident in their abilities to like form and shape players, Davis is an awesome project, but he is a project who has been legit in the run game for years. He churns his feet well, but also has a ton of power behind his hands and with his punch. So that was my plus plus category. My plus category is he bends well for an interior defensive lineman, but he hasn't necessarily translated that to pass rushing abilities. My minus category is he does not offer much in the area of being a pass rusher, but again, that may be something that coaches feel like they can develop. Uh, he can lose track of the football when being blocked, so that is uh, that is an issue, especially if you're an interior defensive lineman. Overall, despite possessing these unique traits and a potential to dominate 
in the run game and as a and as an overall NFL player, his upside could be limited because of reported maturity issues. When more than one site is channeling maturity issues, you should know that it's kind of a problem. Uh, also, his continued growth as a rusher limits him. Nevertheless, he should be a first-round pick who can come in and start right away for an odd or even front defense. Right, right. All right, Justin, the last guy on my list, I, I was like, who am I going to talk about? Should I talk about Alton Robinson, who I do like? But I was like, you know what? We talked about it with him with Falado a few weeks ago. Should I talk about my Miami guy and uh, Jonathan Garvin? But I was like, you know what? Let me just crap all over somebody. And I'm, I hope he doesn't go on the Giants because then I'm going to be, I'm gonna have to like him. It's six foot one, two hundred forty-five pound Michigan edge, Josh Uche. Fun fact: I had a friend in middle school whose name was Uche, and his last name literally was Brown Mark. I swear, it was Brown Mark. Anyways, um, that sucks. <laughs> we, we all saved him as our phone as bleep stain. Anyways, two thousand nineteen, he had twelve games played, thirty-three tackles, seven and a half sacks, ten and a half tackles for also not bad. Tristan Wirfs just flat out bullied him. I mean, he's halfway decent in coverage, and they they would stand him up as a rover and move him around. He doesn't really have any pass rush moves. He's, he's got good speed and burst with strength, but you know you can't rely on just that, especially at his size. Now, Justin, I went because I went and like watched the Iowa game. He got dominated. I was like, okay, maybe watch some more competition. And he got dominated. I went and looked at it. So he played um, uh, twelve games, twelve games in in twenty nineteen against Wisconsin or against Army. Rutgers, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan State, and Indiana. So, not the best competition. He had 26 tackles, six and a half sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss. So, really good. That's half of a season's work. Against Wisconsin, good team. Ohio State, good team. Alabama, good team. Notre Dame, good team. Penn State, good team. And Iowa, good team. Seven tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss. Is that not like a horrible... That's just a horrible split. You can't have that. And it shows that he just... He had... I think he had like three sacks against Maryland. Or, or against, or maybe India. He had three sacks against one of those teams. He picked on the lesser competition, and when it came to play the big boys, he was bad. He was just flat out bad. Oh, he actually did halfway decent against Wills. He didn't have much production, but he did. Um, it actually made me worry about Wills a little bit more. But yeah, I'm, I'm not on the Josh Uche train. So that is our edge review preview, not review. We hope you guys liked it. Hope you guys like our uh, Dave Gettleman draft class reviews. Leave us a rating review. We'd appreciate it. Help us to get to 200. Guys, we'll see you on Friday with the wide receiver class. Until then, let's go Big Blue.